Going on, everybody. Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show. First look at ownership and top stacks for the week. That's right. We've got them updated over at awesome.com. If you want to follow along with us today, be our guests. I'm Dave Lochran. Joining me, Eric Linkwist at Eric Linkwist on the Twitter and Matt Gajeski at Matt underscore Gajeski. You can follow me at Lafayette underscore D. Talking a 12 game slate, only two teams on buys this week, Matt. So we go from multiple or back to back 10 game slates back to 12 games and not nearly as many insane spreads as we saw last week. Yeah, I think even though we have a lot of buys, we have a lot of really good quarterbacks, a lot of really good tight ends on the island game. So no Dak Prescott, no Mahomes, assuming he's healthy, Kyler and Aaron Rodgers both in an island game. But we still do have some really good games, some really good signal colors on the main slate. So I'm excited we have a little more to talk about this week. Yeah, no question. And Eric, I mean, I'm, I was looking at this going over some of the ownership that we have. No Kansas City on this slate, which is uh, thrusting the Rams atop the top stack tool right, by a lot uh, as massive road favorites against the beleaguered Houston team. But Aside from that, you have some other really good spots. So I shouldn't say we don't have as many big spreads. We do have a couple, the Rams, Buffalo being one of them, uh, and a couple others that are relatively significant, but also some strange spots like Philly and Detroit, where I don't think any of us really know how that game is going to play out at all. Oh, God. I mean, it's it's probably from here on out, the Lions' best opportunity to snag a win. Um, It's it's just a it's a weird, weird situation. Jalen Hurts throws the ball above expectation. Part of that is Philly's trailing a lot this season. Detroit, I mean, it's it's basically DeAndre Swift show. He's been fantastic, and that's about all you can say about Detroit. But we do have some interesting other spots. I think Josh Allen is going to end up gaining some steam. And I mean, it's it's hard to say anything against a team that throws at that kind of a rate. You, you know, kind of have a condensed situation. Dawson Knox is doubtful. So I do think that we do have some other spots to go to. And oh, Joe Burrow just got done blowing up a slate going up against the Jets. Probably another good spot, too. <laughs> so uh, did you see the Lions game for Thanksgiving Day? No. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Lions Bears, baby. Oh, Classic. yeah, there you go. I actually love it. Because this is, you want to talk about a game the Lions can legitimately win. You know, usually if the Lions are on the schedule, Matt, it's like, all right. So, and sometimes they produce, who did they, who was it quarterback uh, a few years ago? Uh, who, who was it? A David quarterback? Blau. David Blau. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, God. David. That was and there was fun. A, yeah, and then there was the, was it last or, or two ago, two Thanksgivings ago where Adrian Peterson vultured like three touchdowns in the first half. So uh, the Lions will always make you miserable. They'll always, I think they always play that early game and things go south from there. But yeah, Lions and Bears, Thanksgiving Day football. What else do we have? Raiders, Cowboys, that could be fun. Mm -hmm. And then Bills and Saints to close it out at night. Well, we'll be doing a lot of content for that. So what, a month from now? About a month (laughs) from now. But we're not here to talk about that. We're talking about Week eight, we're already midway through the seat, kind of midway through the season. It's weird with this 17, the additional game, but um, happy to have you guys with us. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. Make it the first thing you do when you jump in here. You know, it takes a second. We'll always have free content no matter what on YouTube, but if you enjoy it, you want to help us combat the algorithm and the YouTube overlords, well, do that. Hit the thumbs up. Get us up to 100 straight out of the gate. And of course, well, subscribe to the channel. We're pushing for 70K. Already crushing it here. Thanks to you guys. But if you haven't hit the subscribe, like 50% of people watching our shows haven't done so yet. So we would be very grateful. And first off, Joshua Howard, welcome to Team Awesome. King JX Star, welcome to Team Awesome. Eric, before we even started the stream, two people hitting that join button, getting the badges, the custom emojis, the shout outs and all that good stuff. So that makes me happy. Yeah, it makes me happy, too. It's nice to, to be on a show where we're getting likes, where we're getting subscribes, where we're getting all of that stuff, because, uh, you know, that's going to be a big part of my persona going forward, because I got called out for my week seven performance. So I must go back. I went back Rough. to the lab. I started working on the pitching. You know, I want to make it, it authentic. I want to make it real. I want to make it, you know, exactly. I, you're kind of forming me into the host that I, I have aspired <laughs> to be. So, uh, yeah, also F off. But there we go. <laughs> mastering that craft <laughs> dude you've come a super long way since starting to host a year ago man no um, doubt about it. i haven't even been hosting a year which is right. which is fun i mean it's it's 
It's just so fun. I think everybody finds fantasy sports in such a roundabout way, but I've been playing for seven years, eight years, uh, DFS pretty much close to the inception draft street days. And, um, I just, I just love this, this entire ability that we have to be able to go on and talk and, and people care on a Wednesday morning, you know, it's eight o'clock out here on the West coast. We've already got a hundred people here. We'll have a couple hundred more as we're kind of flooding in these live shows. We're getting 3,500, 4,000 people watching NBA live on a Monday night. It's like, man, this, this awesome community keeps building and we're just glad to have so many people be a part of it. There it is. I mean, what better way to ingratiate yourself to the subscriber base than to say something like that? But I, in all seriousness, I totally agree with you. Uh, and it's awesome. We're lucky. Put it that way. We're yes, lucky. Yes, very much so. Draft Street, where you would lose points for missed field goal attempts in <laughs> NBA. Oh, my God. You could never play Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> it's absurd. So that's the same thing on Jack Market. That was my apprehension for uh for one uh Russell Westbrook last night. Should have been shouldn't have had any apprehension. I had a hundred percent everywhere else, but uh, I was winning a hundred K for like, I don't know, an hour and a half on FanDuel. Uh Josh Engelman, DeColts, everybody. We had a bunch of top fifties on FanDuel, and then uh somebody just keeps winning on DraftKings. So excited for the Hall of Fame segment because back to back, a Sunday night and then a Tuesday night. Same guy wins like 100K and 70K. It's great to see subs succeeding too. Matt, what do you say we jump into this? Talk some running backs here out of the gate. Let's do it. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, last thing. Uh, review from week seven. Matt, the winning Millie Maker lineup. Matthew Stafford, DeAndre Swift, Damian Harris, Chris Godwin, Cooper Cup, Terry McLaurin. I love that as a sub 5% play. Foster Moreau, Van Jefferson, Buccaneers. Just wanted to say that's a beautiful lineup and I like everything about it. Yeah, I think it's one that's really buildable too. You have a double stack there with Cup, Van Jefferson. H is a very clearly underpriced chalk play in Chris Godwin, but then made a couple of, I think, really key plays with late news in Damian Harris and Foster Moreau. Very buildable lineup if you were paying attention to those games. So for whoever won that, very nice job. It's a beautiful lineup. 17 of the 25 top lineups again in the million maker were people who played two or fewer lineups. Eric and I have talked about that a lot. Just, you know, when we say, Oh yeah, you know, anyone can win this. Of course, you know, to some extent it's a lottery ticket, right? When you're playing one or two, it is, but you're not seeing nearly as many MMEs. The person that won it had 144 lineups, but 17 of the top 25 again, were were one or two lineups. So it's not like it's, it's impossible. Uh, and then I did want to throw this out there, Eric, the winning, fair catch lineup. I always love this because it's like a 250 or $300,000 prize pool, but it's a single entry was, and you and Eric, or you and Adam do the Monday show. I love that show. I loved doing it. I miss not doing it anymore where you review everything on fantasy cruncher lineup study. Um, it, it's super helpful, man. It helped me a ton. This one was Joe Burrow, 1.8%. Damian Harris, Leonard Fournette, Godwin. So you had the running back wide receiver pairing on the same team without the quarterback. We've talked about that working. Mm-hmm. Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, CJ, wow, CJ Osama, JD McKissick, and Cardinals defense took it down 25K. Love it. And that that was something that Josh kind of turned me on to when I when I subbed in for Adam one day. Um, Adam didn't actually purposely miss the show, contrary to popular belief. But yes, I filled in for him that week. Uh, absolutely love the running back wide receiver. <laughs> no, he combat. missed the show before it. That's oh, okay. There we go. But yeah, no, the running back wide receiver uh, tandem when you can't necessarily get to an expensive quarterback to go alongside them, or you kind of want to stack in a different direction. I think it is something that's starting to be more prevalent. And and before I think I was so limited to just one player. You're like, oh, well, I want to get the, the QB one. I want to have the right stack. I want to piece it all together. Well, you want to kind of want to get all of those touchdowns. And if you have two pretty good spots, I know Daryl Henderson, Cooper Cup ends up being a combination that a lot of people are playing more. And I, I think that that makes a lot of sense too. If you can kind of identify where those touchdowns are coming from, you can kind of just bypass the quarterback in a couple of these spots. So another really, really well put together lineup. Uh, I love doing that shows on Mondays. And, you know, for me, it's, it's trying to be able to differentiate between mistakes you make and things that are just 
going to happen in the course of an NFL game or the just big plays trying to differentiate between, uh, you know, Damian Harris was somebody you just needed to be higher on based on news. Foster Moreau was a stand that you could take. I absolutely wanted to take that shot at 2,500, a pass catching tight end and, you know, stuff like that that can help you in tournaments, uh, help you find kind of an edge so that when news breaks, when things happen, you can kind of uh, adjust yourself. R says Heineke legit should have had close to 30 fantasy points. Dude, tell me about it. I swear every time I flipped over to that game, they were in the red zone. It was crazy. <laughs> and they came away with zero points every time. Um, Matt, you and I have talked a lot. And, and Matt Savoka and I've talked a lot over the, the last year about just like looking how concentrated offenses are so much different when it comes to that stuff. I was on I would have been shocked if somebody told me that the Tennessee Titans would route the, the, the Chiefs just absolutely crush them. And there wouldn't be some lineups in the top 1% with like Derrick Henry and AJ Brown based on what we saw. I mean, it just Derrick Henry somehow did not have that game and they crushed Kansas City. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to that game went wildly under the total. So you didn't even with Tennessee, like they, they won by 24 points, but they only put up 27 themselves, only three touchdowns scored. If you don't have that like huge ceiling performance from an individual team, I still think it's pretty hard to get there. And with the Titans, if you're stacking that whole offense, Derrick Henry, as expensive as he is, it's not like stacking one of these cheaper teams where you can take a quarterback, the elite wide receiver, and the running back one on the team. You're allocating a ton of salary to that. And with Kansas City just not really putting up a fight whatsoever, I think it was really hard to get to those ceiling winning scores in GPPs. And it's just something that's really hard to predict. I mean, if you were looking at totals, this one clearly had the best total. Just Kansas City scoring three points, pretty unpredictable in my opinion. Let's have some fun. Stick with you here for a minute, Matt, and jump straight into running backs. If you're just jumping in the door, maybe you're a couple minutes late. Welcome to all of you. Hit that thumbs up for us. So running back position on this show, we'll go running back. We'll talk chalk and then the pivot. Same at every position. And then at the end, we'll go over all of the top stacks using our top stack tool, best leverage spots, worst leverage spots, you name it. So at the top, Matt, you've got right now DeAndre Swift, and I do think there are a few that are going to change. I do owe Eric Chipotle as well because he was correct on the Rashad Bateman ownership. Uh, congratulations, fellas. Oh, what a W. What a W. <laughs> uh, DeAndre Swift at 19%. Daryl Henderson, what a letdown. But I'm going straight back to the well this week, 17%. Then you have guys like Kamara and Najee Harris in less than great matchups on the ground but they're both coming in at three and four. And then Corderell Patterson rounding out the top five right now, Matt, at 12.9%. Uh, it's really interesting ownership. I will get to leverage spots in a second, but I think it's a great week to leverage off some of these high-owned backs. DeAndre Swift is basically getting there on garbage time alone with that crazy receiving role he has. He's been efficient as a rusher, and he has gotten a few big plays, which I don't think are sustainable in this Detroit offense. They're just not projected to win a lot of games. They're not projected to score a lot of points week in and week out. So he is really reliant on like ceiling receiving games. And I think that limits his ceiling a little bit. So seeing him now north of 7K, it's a little bit rich for my blood when there's just a lot of backs in the 6K range, which we'll get to later. As far as the high expensive price backs like Kamara, and I expect Derrick Henry to be more owned than this. He, he just always is. Alex said this on a show last week. He's, he said he has to go in and like manually update Derrick Henry's ownership projection just because it comes in higher every single week based on like recency bias and his popularity. But with those expensive backs, unless you get a punt play at receiver, tight end, something like that, it's really hard for me to click them over Cooper Cup, who just has the most ridiculous role in the NFL right now. He's finally priced in the same range as them. So I ultimately just end up coming a little bit under the field on both those guys too. I don't think it's a great week to eat chalk at running back outside of Daryl Henderson, who's just clearly underpriced for his role as a 14-point favorite against Houston. That gives the Rams, again, an implied total north of, of 30 points. But that's kind of how I'm viewing the upper echelon of the high-owned backs right now. Yeah, dude, I don't get the Daryl Henderson price point. I, I know he hasn't performed maybe up to standards every week, Eric, but the, uh, the, the usage is there. They're massive favorites. If they want to keep throwing the Cooper Cup at, at first and goal at the one, you know, then we might just have to deal with that. But 6,500 is a massive favorite once again and the highest implied total on the slate. Once again, I think we go to the a lot of mid-range options at running back. What are your thoughts here when it comes to ownership early in the week? 
Yeah, rounding out Daryl Henderson, it's a misprice. 6,500 is a misprice. Any projection model you're going to look at the entire week, he's going to pop and he should pop. This team going against Houston, dead last defense in, in PFF, it's just, it's, they're horrendous. It, there's no way around it. And Daryl Henderson now 88% of the snaps last time out, 82% the week before that, as he was kind of building up, you know, he had that, he got dinged up there for, for week three and they've just kind of right out of the gate, ramped him back up. There's no way around it. He is by far, I think the most mispriced running back on this slate. And it's going to be a tough one to get away from in tournaments uh, for sure. Especially if you get some of those game scripts where they go way up, they were trailing the lions there right out of the gate too. I think that probably helped Cooper cup a little bit just to be able to fully get there. So uh, I'm right there with you. There's no way around it, but yeah, those expensive running backs, it's, it's really tough for me to kind of see uh, how I'm going to get up to a lot of them. Tennessee against Indianapolis, which is shown to be a pretty stout defense here, held Baltimore under 100 rushing yards, and we know how efficient they can be on the ground. Uh, you know, they obviously uh, were playing from come behind uh, for Baltimore was in Lamar Jackson threw over 400 yards, but Alvin Kamara, 8,700 as well up against Tampa Bay. He's been getting a ton of rushing volume, but uh, we know how insane Tampa Bay is at stopping the run. That's going to have to be all passing game work out of the backfield there. And Austin Eckler, I mean, that's really where I start the conversation for me at 7,900 is that guy is just game script proof. And you're getting a discount, you know, of $1,000 off a guy like Derrick Henry. I I feel like Austin Eckler is the first guy of the expensive grouping that I'm really excited about. But let's talk Jonathan Taylor because he really is going to be a stand, I think, that I would make. He's under 10% right now. And against Tennessee, uh, Tennessee just isn't the team that we saw against Kansas City. I mean, Kansas City is going to get blown out by a lot of teams if they don't start playing better defensively. Jonathan Taylor is just jumping off the page for me uh, at that current ownership that we have for him. If that doesn't move, I mean, him, DeAndre Swift against Philly, Joe Mixon, that even the 7K range, I'm really enamored with. Matt, you said the winner of the Chipotle bet is actually the loser, and there's no way Laffy wanted to win that bet. <laughs> Spot the lie. That, that is true. Eric's the actual loser of the bet. Not a Chipotle guy? <laughs> no, I just, it's just the A.J. Brown joke. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. I, I don't know if any fast food place makes food where you can order one item, and it feels like you're curling a 20-pound weight walking out of there. Those burritos are 10 pounds each. I got my wife and I food from there the other week and I had the bag. You would honestly think there was a large animal stuck inside of it. (laughs) I've never held either way. They're delicious. Hit some curls walking out in the parking lot. You know, the squirrels are nothing compared to Chipotle. Could you could you crush a full burrito in one shot? The the full size burritos, Eric? No doubt. Uh, Chipotle. So. Oh, easy. So uh, going to school in Iowa State, we used to drive to Des Moines. It was like a 40-minute drive just to go get Chipotle when we were in college. That was probably a little irrational. But moving out here to L.A., even like when you have taco trucks everywhere, which are amazing, I don't know. There's something about Chipotle that just kind of hits the spot. It is so, so good. You're a Matt Kajewski, by far your worst take on the show, and that includes Odell Beckham. Oh, I like Chipotle. That was a joke on A.J. Brown. Okay, good, good. Low blow. I feel like, Matt, there are a few guys standing out to me that are getting a decent amount of ownership, but maybe a little less than I thought. One of them being James Robinson. Uh, I, I just, you know, you look at last week and Seattle was was e- was able to kind of snuff out anything on the ground from Alvin Kamara, but he just destroyed them through the air. And James Robinson is no Alvin Kamara. I get that. But Carlos Hyde didn't see a single carry last week. I mean, he is effectively being phased out of this offense. James Robinson has legitimate, dare I say, 25 touch upside in a game like this. Now, you're, you're not projecting him for 25, but I think I think James Robinson against, and, and this is the important part, with no Russell Wilson, this is one of the most stagnant offenses in the league for, for Seattle. So this may be the first and only time all game that Jacksonville actually leads in time of possession. I like James Robinson quite a bit. Is there anyone else in this like 10 to 12% ownership range that stands out to you? Yeah, I'll second what you said on James Robinson. Only three and a half point underdogs right now to just completely inept Seattle team. A Seattle defense, which has been very suspect, I might add. So he makes a lot of sense to me. In the like 7K range, sort of in this like 10 to 12% ownership range, 
it's really James Robinson for me. And then I'm just looking for much cheaper backs. I think Leonard Fournette is kind of on the, the less owned side of this, just north of eight or eight percent. I think you can get to him pretty clearly. I think like the Ronald Jones goal line carry towards the end of that game against Tampa Bay was just, they were killing the bears so bad. What's the point in using Leonard Fournette at that time? It very well could be him having a big breakout game at any point. I know their pass rate is super high, especially in the red zone, but at some point Leonard Fournette is going to score touchdowns. This backfield is still mainly his. There hasn't been a lot of Giovanni Bernard or Ronald Jones in recent weeks. So he's the other guy that really stands out to me. As far as some of the other options, kind of in this range, I don't have as much interest in Joe Mixon. Samaj P. Ryan just taking too many, too much of the work lately. And a lot of that is coming in the past game. Chuba Hubbard basically split that backfield 50-50 with Royce Freeman. And I know a lot of Royce Freeman's work came in the second half, but Chuba Hubbard largely ineffective on his opportunities too. So there's just a little more risk with Mixon and Hubbard compared to James Robinson and Leonard Fournette, in my opinion. What about you, Eric? Anybody else here in that like 10 plus range that you want to hit on? Mm, I mean, that that's kind of, I, I think those are kind of the same guys that we're looking at. I mean, James Robinson for sure was the guy that stuck out to me. Carlos Hyde didn't receive a touch. Only guy who received a carry, James Robinson last week. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking at that being a, a great spot to be getting to. Do we have to talk about Cordero Patterson? Do we have to? And that ownership against Carolina? I think we do. Guys running so many wide receiver routes. Mike Davis is... Um, I, I don't know the right. Oh, a failure. He's an absolute failure. So uh, that's how I feel about Mike Davis this season. And I'm fortunate that I went and picked up Corderell Patterson is kind of a joke in a most of, in a lot of my leagues. I just, I didn't trust that he was going to start receiving this kind of volume, but he continues to. And I think at this ownership, it's, I don't know. Am I really going to be clicking on him at 6,200? It just feels wrong. It feels like as soon as you go his direction, it's inevitably going to fail. But now 14 rushing attempts the last two games had a rushing touchdown. Uh, he's, he's getting the volume as a receiver as well. Maybe not so much against Miami last time out. But, I mean, this guy is, is showing a little bit of something. What are you guys going to do with him? He's by far, I think, the most frustrating guy for me to try to account for in this 10% range. Matt, he played 73% of snaps last week, by far the highest on the season. Like, this is no longer just a situational role player. And I don't really have a horse in this race right now. I'm just, you know, looking at this as we go. 73% of snaps is a lot of snaps for someone like Cordero Patterson. Yeah, I'm just going to say he's going to be way more on than this. At like 8K. So? Yeah, at like 8K last week on FanDuel and some of like yeah. the Millie Maker type fields, small fields, he was over 20%. Jesus. Like, He's uh, in your sharper fields, like high dollar stuff. He certainly is not going to draw that ownership, but think about what you're playing. If you're playing the Millie maker, if you're playing low dollar stuff, people just see the big box scores. Like last week, quarter Patterson's ownership downright baffled me. I could not believe it. He's going <laughs> to, he's going to be more on than this easy fade at his ownership. Yep. Yeah. So I, so let me ask you this though. Uh, what is, what makes, Cordero Patterson, an easy fade outside of just the, uh, like, is there something you really don't like about Cordero Patterson right now? Is there, is there something that stands out as a red flag? Because I think on one hand, you could argue that his usage is only continuing to climb, which is almost frightening. No, it's just the ownership. Okay. Just the ownership. Gotcha. And I mean, like if, if his ownership is in check, which I have strong reservations that it will be because we were so wrong and everyone was it's not just us, like every yeah. single DFS platform across the industry was not projecting that kind of ownership for Patterson. If it comes in in check, I think he's a decent play. If he's as egregiously owned as he was last week, he's a fade. Eric, final thoughts on Patterson? Yeah, so part of it too, I mean, he's running back wide receiver eligible on FanDuel. And we see this in the NBA when somebody's dual eligible and multiple positions. Uh, go ahead. No, I, I was just, you were, you didn't have to stop. I was just going to say, you're right. That's going to boost ownership for sure. Yeah, it's going to boost ownership just to be able to have the multi, the dual position eligibility and having that kind of be factored in. You're going to see some increased ownership, but 
I mean, it's been every single week that he's been on a main slate where I've been way, way, way off on what his ownership is going to be. It just always ends up way higher. And, you know, he only really burned you one week. I would say that that's kind of the plus side is that we've seen the super ceiling there was the was a three receiving touchdown game. I expect Calvin Ridley to continue to get involved more because God, has he been disappointing? Kyle Pitts is starting to show Kyle Pitts things. So everybody who victory lapped after two weeks, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, it. The narrative is about to change there. It has already, I think. And you're looking at a, a, a team that's getting back Russell Gage. You know, Zacchaeus is actually on the field once in a while. Like there's a number of other options that can get some of those major uh, receiving volume for touchdowns. But the thing for me is just that him getting more involved in the rushing game just builds such a secure floor for him. And he's just cheaper, 6,200. So, I mean, he's by far the most frustrating guy because I, I, I think I might want to play him, um, but I just have such personal bias against him as a Viking fan. <laughs> All right, <fair laughs> yeah, just F this guy. Like, where, where was any of this? Where was any of this period coming out of Tennessee? I know. I don't, Dude, think you guys, I, just, I don't think you guys used him, man. I don't know if it was him not being no. good. Do you realize, though, he's running routes over his last two games on 60% of dropbacks and has 62% of the running back carries? That is crazy. His first four games, he had 30, he ran routes on 30% of dropbacks. So I don't know. Like, I. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be off of him entirely. Matt, I just keep talking myself into him looking at all these <laughs> stats. Like the dude's lining up everywhere. He's getting, he has back to back games of 14 carries. Shit, I don't know. Let's see if, if his final ownership run comes in at 12.9% or whatever it is on DraftKings, where he has single position eligibility. And remember, two weeks ago, he was, uh, it was a 10 game slate. Are, are you, are you still not there? No, I'm completely fine with it. For, I'm, I won't rehash everything you guys mentioned his opportunity certainly climbing good match against Carolina they're favored so there's a lot that works in his favor I, I just opened the ownership last week and some of these these low or I guess I should say high risk like weaker field FanDuel contest and I was like he was 8300 on FanDuel last week and he was that's nuts on. yeah I guess he is running back he's running back only on FanDuel this week which is okay. I think uh I think that that's a plus uh, I don't. Well, it's not I don't know why you would have wanted him to play. A, you wouldn't want to play him at wide receiver. No, you wouldn't. But not not with the uh, this week. You might. I haven't looked at all of the exact pricing yet. But yeah, maybe. I, but I last week you wouldn't have. I got some pivots here, uh, Eric. First of all, I think Kenny Gainwell's ownership comes up for sure. Like, Agreed. For sure, right? It has to. Even if they bring Jordan Howard up. And I think a chalky Kenny Gainwell could let a lot of people down, but we'll get to that. How about, though, how about Khalil Herbert? Yes. Right? I mean, this guy has 18. You know, he's second in carries over the last three weeks in the NFL. Second in carries in the NFL over the last three weeks. He's been ultra efficient. He's the only guy that I can remember in the last 86 years that has a 100-yard rushing game against Tampa Bay. They're running him in negative game scripts. Who cares, right? <laughs> I don't think, seriously, they are. Damian Harris came back from the COVID list, rushed the ball three times. I, he, I, I think when David Montgomery gets back, Khalil Herbert's going to have a legitimate role in this offense. So the way I look at it right now, you're talking about a lead back that might not be a premier pass catcher, but he's going to get the uh, significant amount of pass catching work as well. But it's a middle of the road matchup, but if, Here's the way I see it. I think Gamewell gets steamed a lot and could come up twice as much as where he's at right now. And Herbert might be a, a third of his ownership. If that's the case, I have no problem going to the guy that's averaging over 20 touches per game in the last three weeks. Yeah, the Damian Williams thing was really tough for to, to try to factor in, you know, coming off of only playing... 48% of the snaps in week five. That was kind of the telling thing to me where, you know, in the late slate, I thought Khalil Herbert was actually a pretty sneaky spot. Um, even up against Tampa Bay, it, it felt like a spot where Damian Williams, if he was going to be incapacitated at all, which again, 17% of offensive snaps for Damian Williams in that game, uh, which you referred to. I mean, that's just, he, he wasn't on the field. And part of it is Khalil Herbert is showing that he can be not a bell cow back. I don't think he can be that, but he's definitely a good plug and play option for this team at the moment here for at least the next you know week or two here. And when David Gun- Mon- Montgomery gets back, you're right. I mean, this is why you don't 
want to leave the field if you're in the NFL because somebody can steal your job like this. Herbert has proven to be uh, a little bit more efficient here on the ground as well. I, I think that he makes sense. We're trying to find ways to get different here. I think at 6%, you're exactly right. I think Gainwell starts gaining a ton of steam here at 5K going up against a Detroit Lions team on the road. He can come out of the backfield, make a lot of catches. I don't know what that rushing volume is going to look like for him, but on a PPR site like DraftKings, I guess people might not be uh, that concerned about it, but give me the promise of Herbert getting, you know, 19, 18 carries back-to-back weeks here and, and projecting him for 15-plus carries in this spot. I think against San Francisco, this is not a, a formidable San Francisco defense. So I'm right there with you. I think that's a great call. Let's see what happens, man. But he's looked good. Matt, what are your thoughts on some of these guys in that range? Yeah, love Khalil Herbert. Just a guy underdrafted out of school in comparison to David Montgomery, who is wildly overdrafted. They just, they're going to get production out of that because they funnel so many opportunities to that position, whether they're trailing, whether they're leading. It's similar to Jacksonville last year where James Robinson was just getting so much work, even in negative game script, it didn't matter. And Khalil Herbert's a good pass catcher. People might not think of him that way, but he started the year as the Bears' primary kick returner, something he also did at Virginia Tech in his final season of college. The guy can catch the ball, so there's no reason Damian Williams would just come in and play third downs. That's something Khalil can do too. As far as pivots off of him, I think Eli Mitchell will be interesting in the same game. He's a little riskier, in my opinion, because he didn't play a single third down snap. That was all Jermichael Hasty. With game script here, though, you have San Francisco projected to win this game by three and a half points based on Vegas totals. So it should be another game where Eli Mitchell could handle a big workload. And then Miles Gaskins, another name I just want to throw out there with the injury to Malcolm Brown. The only other running back they might use right now is Salvin Ahmed. And we've seen Miles Gaskins be that pass catching back as big underdogs against Buffalo. He's a guy that could get volume. He's just very risky, too. That's interesting. Yeah, Salmon had Matt. we haven't talked about it do you remember jordan putting the salmon head on the on the body of of savan ahmed last year every time we talked about him that was great who was on that show what was that it was you me and kyle that's what it was yep yeah and kyle was going along with it you just got so tired of it but i i know kyle (laughs) and i would just run with that for every single show but that's a that's an interesting call on Gaskin. We saw what he did against Tampa Bay when they couldn't move the football. Um, I don't know. All right. Uh, dude, the, the Gainwell thing, and I know we're spending a lot of time on running back, Eric, but I'm fine with it because people care more about running back than other positions anyway. Uh, the, the Gainwell thing was so odd because like he played 60% of snaps after Sanders went down. Boston Scott played 40% of snaps after Sanders went down. Boston Scott, though, had two goal line carries and scored on one of them. Gainwell didn't have any, but he did have a receiving touchdown in the red zone while Miles Sanders was still healthy in the first quarter and out-targeted Boston Scott eight to two. So if they activate Jordan Howard from the, from the practice squad, this could end up just being a mess that we're having a tough time figuring out. And it's been going to be so tough to project this game flow or game script as three-point favorites, but I think all of us understanding that they're really not a good team and maybe they won't run anyway. So I'm having a real tough time with this backfield, and I wouldn't be surprised if Boston Scott ends up being the guy after week eight is over. Yeah, that's that's kind of my major issue with wanting to go to any kind of quantity of Kenneth Gainwell. I think he, if he falls in lineups, if you're building 150, you're naturally going to play who would be the presumptive starter up against a Detroit team here, but uh, I, I think Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, I mean, Huntley exists there. I guess he got waived, so never mind. But uh, looking at Miles Sanders here, dinged up, it's, it's going to be a three-person committee for all intents and purposes. And Kenneth Gainwell, yeah, he's got the pass-catching role. I think his, his box score has even been inflated last week. I mean, that all came in that first drive, which was all Miles Sanders. Kenneth Gainwell comes in there, gets the touchdown catch, and that was kind of his day. And so maybe in the box score, that's going to look a little bit better. And of course, he can go out there and catch a touchdown against Detroit. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But I think there's a great, and I mean, I I say great pivot at 5,100 in J.D. McKissick. I don't know what what everybody thinks about this guy right now, but uh, Antonio Gibson's just not right. And he's uh, J.D. McKissick has played 61% and 64% of the offensive snaps the last two weeks. You don't necessarily want to go out of your way to go pick on a Denver defense here, but I mean, the guy has just been really, really involved in the pass game. I mean, going back to last season, I believe he was the second most targeted running back 
on the season. I mean, the guy just sees receiving volume as is. And now they might not have a choice but to throw him out there in a lot of these passing down spots, too. We'll see kind of how this all pans out. Antonio Gibson, you know, there's nothing uh, currently kind of showing on him as, that I'm looking at that they would say that he's not going to play. But uh, just been dinged up, hasn't been right. And, and when you're seeing 60 plus percent of the snaps for McKissick, you know, in a game that they're, they're expected to be trailing, I think that there's a ceiling there for 100 more. I like it. Hey, Matt, I got one more for you. And then we'll talk wide receivers and give our top prize picks for the week. I got one I absolutely love. You guys are giving me shit about this guy before the show. Uh, Michael Carter, I, bear with me. I know, I know this team is awful, but like, is Mike White really a downgrade from from Zach Wilson? I don't think they start Flacco this week. He target Mike White targeted his running backs forty eight percent of the time in that game. I feel like you might get a spot where Michael Carter comes in and gets like nine targets and 12 carries again at almost minimum salary. It's ugly. I get it, but I'm just tossing it out there to see where you fall on him. I don't think I'm going to get a lot of any of these guys. And I'll include like the, the guy I mentioned, Miles Gaskin in there. I don't think there's a big difference between any of them with McKissick Gaskin and, and Michael Carter. You're just basically hoping one of them lucks into like nine, 10 targets, they're all underdogs. They're all not projected to score a lot of points. Matchups vary depending on them. I think they're just guys you sprinkle in your lineups. If you're playing like a couple lineups, you don't even consider them. Fair enough. All right, fellas, wide receivers, but first, prize picks, baby. Um, I get We're getting more and more screenshots of people winning money there, and it makes me happy because it's a legitimately fun place to play. And if you're wondering what is prize picks, that's what I'm here to tell you about. Okay, so very simply – the best thing, well, one of the best things is you can use any of the, the research that you've done for betting throughout the week or DFS too. I mean, so much of the, so many of the bets that I make uh, throughout the week, particularly on props, come from the research I've been doing for DFS and doing for these shows. It's all applicable. It's a uh, player prop site where you're parlaying them, but it's not really a parlay. And here's what I mean. You're building lineups based on the props you're taking. There's no juice on the over, on the under, none of that. You build a two, three, four, or five player prop lineup, okay? And then you win money doing so. But one thing I neglected to talk about over these months that I, I was stupid of me because it's really the, probably the best or the most adva advantageous aspect of playing a prize picks is unlike a traditional parlay at any of these other books, if you only win three or four at, at on like DraftKings Sportsbook, you win nothing on that prop. If you hit four of five, uh, four legs of five on prize picks, you still profit. If you hit four or five, you still get you're still making money on three of five or four or five. That's huge. That takes you so far in terms of helping your bankroll and maintaining a bankroll. And you're not just firing off five leg shots and hoping all five of them hit. So, I mean, that's huge over there. You can play NBA, MLB, WNBA, NFL, eSports. You can mix them all into one if you want to make a five-prop lineup. And you get $100, up to $100 when you sign up using the promo code AWESEMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. Download the app in the App Store, Google Play Store. Go to prizepicks.com, however you want to do it. Check it out. I really think you guys will like this. And use our free player prop tool uh, projections over at awesome.com. It's still free. It'll help you out a ton. Eric, what do you got for me? Give me one favorite prop heading into prize picks for whatever sport you want. Well, let's go to Thursday night football. Let's give you a pick right out of the gate here. There's one that I like Kyler Murray under two and a half touchdowns. If you go around the industry, I'm looking at a number of different sports books. He's minus 205 to minus 225 in that regard. Now, I just looked it up, and I guess he does get the inflation of, of being on the ground here. So if he ends up scoring on the ground, that that's also going to go against you. But that's still about a minus 150 favorite in that regard. James Conner getting all of the goal line work in that situation. Going up against Green Bay, obviously we all know that Green Bay is, is going to be without <laughs> Devontae Adams. Huge missing piece here, but Kyler Murray, two and a half touchdowns for him. It's too large of a number, especially with the amount of ground game that Arizona has been riding here in recent weeks. Give me the under of two and a half touchdowns for him. All right. I like it. What about you, Matt? First of all, I'm a little upset. Eric's not talking about cricket. Every time we have prize picks come up, he brings up cricket. He's out here throwing me football props. Eric, I want the cricket props. Oh, but well, you know what? Awesome. I, 
if he came in hot with a cricket prop on a Wednesday morning, oh man. How about Amanda Zahu in women Euro basketball? Nine and a Never half points. Slam the over there. <laughs> That's there what go. we need. That's what we Wait, need. Wait, are you for real? I'm dead serious. That's something that I clicked on. I couldn't name a single WNBA player, let alone Euro player. So they have women European basketball on there. Wow, thrilling. Matt, what do you have? <laughs> All right. I like DJ Moore over 77 and a half receiving yards. This dude has had monster opportunity, 29% target share, 39% air yard share. But if you just want to be really easy on yourself and take a look at our projections over at Osmo.com, projected for 92 receiving yards, that's nearly 15 yards value on this prop. Make it easy on yourself. Cross-reference the props with these, with our projections. And you can find a lot of really good values. DJ Moore is my favorite. Love it. You know where I'm going, Matt. Back to the touchdowns, man. Got to do it. Give me Aaron Jones score. We've been crushing these lately because there's no juice on him. He's only minus 120 on other spots, but I think that moves for sure, especially with Adams out. I mean, Adams is a premier red zone target. Jones is still getting 20% of red zone looks this season. Adam uh, Eric did mention that a lot of those were in one game, no doubt about it. But when your number one red zone threat is eliminated, who has a 30% red zone target share this year and just a 33% target share in general, I think Aaron Jones will get ample opportunity to be involved as a pass catcher and on the ground. I, there's just too much there for me not to like him to score here. I think by the time we get to Thursday night, that's going to be like a minus 150 prop on traditional books. So give it to me here with no juice over a half touchdown for Aaron Jones. Promo code awesome. fellas. Check that out. Let's keep this moving. Wide receivers. Matt, go to you first. Are we going back to Cooper Cup despite the rise in price point? He has multiple touchdowns in four of seven games this year. Yeah, I think you have to. His ownership's not high enough. He's playing the Michael Thomas role from 2019, where we were just playing Michael Thomas up until he was basically 10K. He's still underpriced for the role he's receiving in the offense. He's playing in, again, LA is extremely explosive. Stafford is a huge upgrade at quarterback. They're scoring points like crazy. And this specific week, the Rams are still implied for an implied team total north of 31 points. Cooper Cup is just, he's the best receiver in football right now. And it makes him extremely hard to fade. I wouldn't be surprised if the ownership climbs here. And you do have pivots if you want to go that route with like Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby, even Daryl Henderson in the same offense. But right now, low risk contest cash games. I don't really think you can fade Cooper Cup. Eric, you've got Cup up there at 21 percent. You get Debo Samuel. Brandon Cooks is an odd one to me just because, I mean, what type of touchdown equity do these guys have at this point in Houston? It's a legitimate concern of mine, but anything's possible. DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, Jacoby Myers, Michael Pittman. All of those guys are spread out quite a bit, but they're all north of 10%. What do you like most here up top? I, I don't know if I really love a whole lot outside of DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley in the same game. I mean, Brandon Cooks, I think it makes sense as a run back. Uh, if you're going to see the Rams put up a ton of points, I don't know who on planet Earth you would want to run it back with other than Brandon Cooks. And I think that that's kind of a de facto ownership point for him. Uh, I, I don't think there's any question about that. The Debo Samuel one is very fascinating to me. There's uh, been multiple double digit target outings for him here. He barely got to that 100 yards. I mean, he had 100 yards on the number. So that's also going to inflate his DraftKings uh, when they when they when people click in the box score and see that. So I think they'll feel a little bit more secure than I do at 7,400 against the Bears on the road. But DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, that entire game, I've just been targeting Atlanta games constantly. And, you know, I felt really good about the over in Miami and Atlanta. That came to fruition pretty easily. And I think we're going to just see that going forward. So Carolina, Atlanta, that's why I was talking about Patterson is specifically this entire game is just fascinating to me. Darnold coming off of a, a, a abysmal outing. Now they want to run him out of town and, you know, possibly go get Deshaun Watson. That would be fascinating. But DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, Calvin Ridley, probably the most disappointing uh, wide receiver amongst that top tier in the first two rounds of drafts this season. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that he starts rebounding here sooner rather than later. So I want to be on board with that. And so long as uh, Christian McCaffrey's out here, I expect some of this volume to come to fruition for DJ Moore. 13 and 10 targets his last two. Uh, pretty substandard box scores. But, you know, that's that's just going to make him, I think, a little bit lower on than he should be. Yeah, man. Wide receiver four over the first uh, four weeks. Wide receiver 26 over the last three. But it's got to turn. Eventually, even if you don't have a great quarterback throwing you the ball, something has to materialize there, right? Like the volume has been insane. Matt, I, I, Robbie Anderson, if you want to talk about the most, the, the most 
anomalous performance of the season, it's got to be from Robbie Anderson, right? Like over the last four weeks, and I tweeted this the other day, he is seventh in the league in targets and 76th in yards. That is nuts. He's the wide receiver 56, despite having 38 targets over his last four games, almost 10 per game, uh, 25% target share, 33% air yard share, which just goes to show you air yards are bullshit. If your quarterback can't get you the ball or you're dropping them all the time, but my God, like what something has to happen here one way or the other, either he just stops getting targeted or finally that huge game happens. I don't think they have a lot of alternatives to putting him on the field. Terrace Marshall hasn't shown anything either as the wide receiver three. So like, where, where are they going to go? Right. I don't really know McCaffrey. Yeah. McCaffrey being out certainly doesn't help. I mean, it helps Robbie Anderson theoretically, but he hasn't been able to put it on the field. You can still play him as just a direct pivot to DJ Moore based on volume. Volume is there and volume is the most predictive statistic we have. So with him not getting it done, you should get minuscule ownership, which we're projecting right now. I wouldn't take a huge stand on him in tournaments, but he's somebody you can certainly play down in that range. Definitely not a cash play, in my opinion, but I'm okay with Robbie Anderson in tournaments. I am too, at like 5%. It doesn't feel good at all, but I'm not totally opposed to it. I think um, Emmanuel Sanders, too, coming in around 7% there is just, to me, I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to be higher owned. And I only say that because if you want to get Buffalo stacks, Eric, you're going to have to figure out ways to do that. And I know Thomas Sweeney will be in the conversation (laughs) and you've got Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen, but those guys are expensive. Like Manny Sanders opens it up and he's been pretty involved. So I really like him, especially if he's only at 7% though. Yeah, I, I do too. I think that that's fine. Yeah. Going back to Buffalo, Dawson Knox being out. I think if, if you get that, I mean, he had hand surgery. That seems bad. So I'm just throwing it out there. Tommy Sweeney. Yeah. He might get some steam at 2,900. That's going to be a fascinating talking point, but I mean, Cole Beasley started to get involved as soon as that happened. Nine targets, seven receptions, 88 yards and a touchdown. I got back to form. You're going to see some up and down spikes there. Good to see him on the field a little bit more. I mean, he just hadn't been on the field for the last two weeks before it period. So Stefan Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, that entire game uh, going up against Miami, run it back with Waddle in the event that you once again have Parker out. Something like that would make a lot of sense to me. Um, but yeah, looking around this entire wide receiver board, we have so many options. We actually have a 12-game main slate as opposed to 10 from last week. So it just feels like there's a there's a, a dearth. Is that the right word? A, a dearth of options to be able dearth to go Dearth of to. options means there's no options. Oh, no, so there's not a dearth of options is what we're going towards. Correct. There's uh, a bevy of options. See, I love having you on shows. You can just fix I my you, vocab bro. immediately. There you go. Chris Godwin. There's a uh, plethora. There you go. Plethora is a good Plethora is my word. I'm, that's I'm a go-to, that. right? Yeah. Gotta go Yeah, I love that. Chris Godwin, this entire Tampa Bay team going up against New Orleans as well. Yeah, we're going to talk about Lattimore. We're going to talk about the New Orleans Saints defense being good, blah, 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 blah. I don't care. Tom Brady uh, is Tom Brady. You're looking at him being PFF's number one graded quarterback as a 44-year-old. What in the world is going on? I'm going to like Tampa Bay passing attack, especially when you get them underneath 6,500. If you get Antonio Brown out of there as well. Um, that's going to be a, a huge talking point for me and for everybody else. I think going forward this week is what do we do with them? Because this is just such a pass heavy offense. You know, Leonard Fournette isn't gaining any popularity either. Everybody's looking, this as a tough matchup, but uh, throwing that all aside, this offense is firing and absolutely stackable every week. Yeah. I'm with you hundred percent, Matt. Are there any lower owned guys right now that pop off the page to you? T. Higgins is still too low owned. I the reason I don't think we see ownership climb on guys like Emmanuel Sanders and some of these mid five k plays is because T. Higgins still immense target volume. Saw fifteen last week. <laughs> I know Jamar Chase is making the big plays, but you know just don't get guys targeted in that range for that price range. Like T. Higgins should be. I think he comes in higher on than Michael Pittman and Jacoby Myers. I think he comes in higher on than Brandon Cooks. We'll see on some of these guys, but right now if Higgins is ten percent. Way, way, way too low for a guy with his upside in that offense right now. Yeah, if you're right about that and Emmanuel Sanders' ownership doesn't come up and Buffalo kind of as a stack in general is not super popular, that is going to be really difficult to get away from against Miami. One thing, uh, Stefan Diggs is the most 
mispriced player on FanDuel. It's not too, even close. Too cheap, you're saying? Yeah. What's his what's, number? What's he 73. at? 73. Wow. What? Go look yeah, at that's... FanDuel. I know, I know we only talk about DraftKings here, but a lot of people play FanDuel too. Stefan Diggs is the most underpriced player on FanDuel. Hey, you're welcome to talk about FanDuel whenever you want, man. Holy I'm smokes. Just... Like, look, just look at his price. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's not ideal. Cooper Cup you... 9,200 is probably too cheap as well. Oh, I, I built on FanDuel already. It, it's so soft. Like, you can get those two in, no questions asked. Yeah. Do you I think... think Diggs is too expensive on DraftKings? No, I think he's pretty appropriately priced. I think Cup is too cheap, so people will pick Cup over Diggs. All right. I think maybe he's a little bit underpriced. I mean, Diggs has a phenomenal role in an explosive offense. Sorry, go ahead, Matt. I think it just comes down to Cups right there. And DraftKings is tight, so you can't play everyone. Yeah. I I feel like you're going to see so many people go to Debo and and DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley at that price and Cooper Cup north of Diggs that – Maybe this Buffalo stack does kind of not fly under the radar, but maybe they aren't as popular as we think. Allen's really expensive, so you can't just go out there, play Allen, Cup, Diggs. You have to make concessions. So for to your point, I think that stack comes in under own, not only because Diggs is fairly expensive, but Allen's really expensive himself. He's yeah. 500 more than the second most expensive quarterback. And I've already exactly. built a little bit on DraftKings. You, you can't play two, three guys at 8K or higher. You, you, there's just not the value right now. There may be later in the week, but right now there is not. This is one of those rare weeks where tight end is actually kind of interesting because we have some pending injuries. And, um, you know, Eric already alluded to Dawson Knox being out in, in Buffalo. But first, I got to shout you guys out to continue to put in the work, repping the Awesome logo, or just shouting us out and want to get a shout out yourself on these shows. We love doing this. It's the Awesome Hall of Fame segment. And if you want to be a part of it, tweet your wins at Awesome HOF on Twitter, at Awesome Hall of Fame. It's HOF, though. Include Eric and myself and Matt in there because we enjoy seeing this stuff uh, when you guys take down big wins. And if you want to get a free month of Awesome Plus Platinum, Use the Awesomeo avatar. Go to awesomeo.com slash avatar. Download it. Follow the steps. Super easy. Throw it on whatever site you're playing. If you finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more, boom, $90 value. We got you with a free month. And of course, it could be like the, the, the penny or they don't have that, like the nickel or the quarter arcade. It doesn't matter. As long as you're top three in a field of 5,000 or more and I'll chop it with more than three people, we got you. So let me run through this. Jordan Lockhart again. Um, so, okay, it, actually, look at the first one, right? Jordan Lockhart. I hope we we better have added him. Did we not add him in this? We did. We did. So, Jordan Lockhart, can't believe this happened. Never thought I'd see the day. You guys are amazing. Appreciate everyone. Here. Thanks so much. Just had a baby girl on October 1st, and this couldn't be a better month. That is um, October. When was that? That was like two days ago, Eric? Yep. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's out of his damn mind. He's right? out of that his was, damn mind. Yeah. And then like, this NBA was yesterday. Right, right. So, that was like two days ago. 140,000. And then we get a tweet this morning or this afternoon. Now, I guess it would have been maybe whatever. This happened yesterday. Like you said, y'all are incredible. Literally can't thank y'all. I've joined the best team in DFS. He hit 70 K two days later. I mean, stop it. We have so many of these wild runs where like Gene B Kim goes nuclear for a month and Peter Hanley wins you know, a million dollars in a month on five different hundred K cashes or whatever. Jordan Lockhart might be the next one. Congrats, brother. Appreciate you. Uh, not quite 5K entries and chapter three ways, but shout out to Osmo and the new uh, Yahoo partnership getting me to the uh, bankroll builder. Listen, man, you'll take that any day of the week. Turning 25 cents into $53, that's a win and solid ROI. Brandon Baker, 1,250, solid win. Second there in the 25K high five. And then you had Daddy Dak, 95, with a $2,600 win. Congrats, man. Last one, Adam, the stack correction devil got me good last night, but still a great night. Shout out. Yeah, huge win for him across the board. Congrats, Adam. And to all of you guys, download the avatar. Hit us up at Awesome Hall of Fame on Twitter. And, uh, you know, get, get them shout outs. Get that free money. All right. Tight ends, Matt, what are your thoughts here at the top? The top of the position is interesting because we have a lot of players off the slate. We, we don't have Kelsey. We don't have, and I, I mean, on buy two, we don't have Waller. 
we, we don't have some of the elite options overall is what I'm trying to get at. So the player coming in with the most ownership for us is Dallas Goddard. And it creates a really interesting situation at tight end this week, because typically we're either paying up for Kelsey Waller, the elite studs, or we're just paying all the way down. So at this point in the week, we don't really have any of those studs on the slate. I think you can argue whether or not Kyle Pitts has emerged into that range. But in a slate like this, I'm more than likely going to avoid guys like Goddard, avoid guys like Fant, who don't really have that much of a difference between some of the punt tight ends on the slate. So it's just overall a really interesting dynamic without Kelsey Waller and some of the elite options. Yeah, that's a great point. Do you think do you think we see Pitt's ownership come up a decent amount or not? Absolutely. Not even close. To, right? It has to. That is that is 15% too low. I think he's going to be legit tight end chalk, legit chalk in general, 20%, 15%, something in that range. And granted these ownership, you know, like a a lot of this, when we put it out early, it's so we can have talking or discussions, right? So we can, Mm -hmm. you know, have some, some thought experiments here and and what we think it's going to be Tuesday, early Wednesday ownership is more so us just working through where we think things are going to land and who we like. You're not using this ownership on Sunday. No ownership is going to be accurate on Wednesday morning. So that's why when we talk about it coming up or down, uh, you know, obviously things will change, but he, he will come up and, and like, look at Miles Sanders, right? We still have Miles Sanders around 2% because he hasn't been ruled out yet. So once we have him completely out of the projections, Kenny Gainwell's ownership is going to come up. So uh, worth keeping in mind. Matt, I tell you what, man, we have Goddard up there. I'm, I'm off of that right now. Ricky Seals Jones, if anyone wants to play him, I'm not going to say a word to you against it. He's playing literally every snap of every single game right now, and he's running a decent amount of routes. I'm fine with that. The one spot that sticks out to me is Johnny Smith. If he plays, right, I think you're going to see people go to Hunter Henry a little bit. He scored in four straight games. But Janu Smith has more red zone targets than him this year, easily leads the team with six red zone targets on the season and is dirt cheap. If he's active uh, against the Chargers, that'll be a spot that I get a little bit of exposure to, and I can do it at basically zero ownership and get over the field that way. What are you thinking about some low-owned guys right now? Yeah, I think it's just really risky for Janu because he's not really playing a lot. But there's not a ton of options down there. I think you're going to have to take stands on guys like, Cole Komet, or I do like Jared Cook. He's coming in pretty high owned, or maybe like an OJ Howard if Gronk doesn't play. I think there's there's just players like that, or Gerald Everett. Not really anybody that I'm excited about for these low owned options. So what I like to do on slates like this is just stack with my quarterback. And we've seen that work in situations like if you're stacking the Bengals, play CJ Uzama when Joe Burrow has a big game, maybe he's attached to it. Or we've seen this like with Dallas, where you stack Dak and Dalton Schultz is the guy with the big game. So a lot of what I'm going to do is attach my tight end position to the quarterbacks I'm playing. There are a few options that do stick out in a vacuum. Like Mike Jasicki is just basically a pure wide receiver right now. He's played single digit snaps in line, at least heading into last week. That may have changed last week, but I don't, I don't think it probably did drastically. He's just a slot receiver. Tyler Higby, you're just attaching yourself to a 30 point implied team total for the Rams. A lot of touchdown equity there, but outside of that, I'm just going to stack with my quarterback. What about you, Eric? Yeah, you hit on my main guy, Mike Jasicki. It's, I mean, Kyle Pitts is my main guy. If you were 5.3% owned, I would just just go nuts and, and have a party, like have an absolute party, excuse me. Mike Jasicki, though, makes the most sense. Uh, if you want to be playing Buffalo, if you want to be uh, involved in that offense, your easy runbacks, Jalen Waddle, Mike Jasicki, it makes way too much sense to be going that direction. Dallas Goddard, I understand the ownership. I think that we're going to see better outings than, you know, just 12 fantasy points. There are five targets with no Zach Ertz there. We've seen in the past that that is a, a huge upgrade for him. So I'm expecting that to, to be something where that that does like people are going to land around that 13.7%. But if you're going to put one more guy in there, CJ Uzama. Uh, going up against the Jets, 26 and a half implied team total for them here. Uh, it doesn't feel like point chasing because, I mean, he's definitely done this now twice this entire season where he just has these explosion touchdown games. Um, you know, it's it's a pass-heavy offense. You have so many options, but considering he's still only at 3,700, there is some explosiveness there. Yeah, no question. And Matt, you're totally right on Jenny Smith. The The snaps are low. 
But the only thing I'd say to that is he's basically been targeted as many times as Hunter Henry this year, and he's been targeted on a third of his routes run. So it's like you want him on the field more. There's no doubt about it. But if I'm going for a dirt cheap tight end at zero ownership, do I do I think it's possible that he gets like four targets and a couple in the red zone? Sure. He has eight red zone targets this year, which is not bad. That's over one per game, five inside the 10. So I guess the point I was making more so than to, to fall in love with Johnny Smith is that I, I think everyone's just assuming, Matt, that Hunter Henry is the clear red zone tight end. He has one target inside the 10 this year. Johnny Smith has five. It just so happens that Hunter Henry's been a lot more efficient with his opportunities. Yeah, I mean, a six-target sample between the two, that could go either way. I If you're stacking that game, I think you get pieces of Janu or Hunter Henry. Otherwise, they're they're not preferred plays or plays you're avoiding, to, to your point. I think they're both completely fine. All right, fellas, let's do it. Stacks, and then we bail. Tyler Zander producing the show, too. Give the boy a shout-out. And, uh, oh, we're already over 100 likes. Appreciate you. I was going to say, hey, get us over 100 likes, but we're already there, so thank you. Uh. Matt, when you're looking at the top stacks tool, you got the Rams top stack probability. Of course, all of this over at awesome.com. Use the promo code NFL strategy show to get 25% off your first week of awesome. Plus all of the tools on the site, 27%, Buffalo, 15% chargers at 10 Cincinnati around eight Tampa at 7.7 Philly at 6.4. Who do you really like here? Anybody you're loving at the top, despite really high probability and uh, maybe high ownership. I think there's really creative ways to use the Rams. As we saw last week with people playing Van Jefferson, I think you can use Higby and Robert Woods to kind of cut off some of that high Cooper Cup and Stafford ownership. So I'm completely fine getting to the Rams stack. Their leverage score is just so high, suggesting that even with some ownership, they're still under-owned. And we've seen this with some of the elite offenses in the past. But with that said, the top three I'm really comfortable with I like the Chargers stack. We've seen some people in the New England secondary get hurt out for the year. And that game quietly has a 49-point total. It's another slate where we don't have five games above 50. So at some of these games that are just a little bit lower total than the elite of the elite, I want to take a stand here. With Herbert, easy stacking options. You have cheap options in Jared Cook. You have Middling and Keenan Allen. Mike Williams, he's been the baller this year. Again, the options are key, and I think there's some interesting runbacks on the New England side. We we hit on a few of them in that tight end room. You could play some Jacoby Myers. A lot of cool ways to stack that game. Where are you at here, Eric? On I was going to uh, stack. I was going to go right to the Chargers. I mean, Justin Herbert's just been fantastic. And I last week, let's throw that out the absolute window. Uh, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, sixty five hundred on DK. We're just saving the best for last. I'm obsessed with the Chargers this week. Makes a lot of sense. So off the board, Atlanta, Carolina. Uh, I think that that's going to come in pretty flat leverage uh, as a whole. But you know, we we kind of look at these one week sample sizes and we lose our minds. And everybody had all those pre notions after one or two weeks of Kyle Pitts being a bust and can't believe you took a tight end there in your drafts, blah, blah, blah. I don't care, guys. Atlanta is just going to throw the ball around the yard constantly. Sign up for those kind of games. So uh, Matt Ryan, it's negative 2.3% leverage. That's pretty negligible to me. Give me a ton of that offense. All right. I'm going Buffalo, man. They have a a near 8% leverage score right now. They have the second highest top stack probability on the slate. And yes, while Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs are expensive, you still have Emmanuel Sanders. You still have Cole Beasley, who's coming off a really solid game. I know we talked about him potentially losing more work to guys like uh, Gabe Davis, but he still you know, was very much involved last week. If, if they're really not going to have that, and of course, by leverage school, we're using quarterback projected ownership. It's the easiest way to do it. But man, I'm... I think you have some cheap enough options here to where you don't have to pay a fortune to get all of these stacks in. And if you want to get crazy with it, you go like Sanders and Beasley and and don't have digs in some of those lineups because that'll probably be something not a lot of people are looking to do. As far as low leverage spots, Matt, I'm going with the Eagles. I don't want to get to an Eagle stack that is getting as much ownership as they are. Uh, But I do believe, see, this is where the tool can be a little misleading. A lot of people are going to run Jalen Hurts naked, and I have no problem with that just because of how dominant he's been from a fantasy standpoint alone, garbage time king. But as it stands right now, I just can't place faith in this Philly team. If the stack is going to be popular, I'm off of it. 
I agree with you there. One last point on Buffalo. I think a lot of people are going to try to run Tommy Sweeney as a low-owned yep. tight end. I'm fine with it. There's one thing I would be concerned with. It's that Buffalo ran four wide at one of the highest rates last year, and they actually did this in week one, too, before they really found out what they had in Dawson Knox. So I think Sweeney, if he's popular, he's somebody I'll just fade because Buffalo could change even just entirely their player personnel formations and not use a lot of Sweeney. With that said, if he's low owned, he's worth a dart because of how well Knox has played. I think for a low leverage stack, you could look to some Miami. They're huge underdogs, but Tua Tagovailoa has been playing much, much better than he played early in the season prior to his trip to injured reserve. Buffalo's a strong defense, but it's got a good total overall. There's weapons to stack with. I like using Jasicki as a, a tight end, but technically he's a wide receiver. That one has a very low leverage score, but I think it's one, again, little negligible, not even negative 1%. F5 Fantasy Football Legends says Philly and Detroit stacks will do great. Yeah, that's that's kind of the thought here with everybody. But, you know, sometimes bad teams are just really bad. So, you know, you get a lot of popularity in spots like that. Sometimes you just have to bet on bad teams being bad. Uh, and a lot of times that happens. Eric, close us out. What do you got a low leverage spots? I was going to say, can we stack up the defenses in that game? That'd be fun. Uh, would it shock Detroit you? and Philly defense. Dude, would it shock you if like Philly defense or, or even Detroit defense with a scoop and score on a sack ends up having 15 <laughs> fantasy points? Too? No, it absolutely would not. You should have exposure to such things. Uh, but what happens with these really concentrated passing offenses that we have for the top stack with the Rams at 27.1%? We only have six positive leverage teams currently on the board, but Got to go to Tampa Bay. I talked about it earlier. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, this shouldn't shock anybody, but it still kind of does considering they're one of those teams that's just slightly positively leveraged. If you have no Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, it is so easy. You just play those two in lineups. Just like last week, you move on with your week. I like it. That'll do it for us. As always, thanks for hanging out. Hit that thumb up and subscribe before you go. Follow Eric at Eric Linquist on Twitter. Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski, myself at Lafayette underscore D. Our names should be right there, right? Yeah, in yellow, right there. Go to the try box there, Tyler. And shout out to your boy, Tyler, for producing today's show. Coming up, you got the NFL or NHL strategy show in a bit. NBA deeper dive and live before lock, taking you up till seven on a 10-game slate. A ton of other stuff on the channel today, so be sure to check that out. And head over to awesomemode.com. Ton of free content. If you haven't checked it out, Alex, uh, Adam Share writes the best NBA article out there, and it's free. I don't know why, but it's free every day of the week. I'm telling you, you won't find a better free daily article than Adam does. It comes out around 1.30, 2 o'clock Eastern every single day. Read that every day. Make it a staple of your research process. You won't regret it. NBA ownership rankings are free. That tool, PGA top golfers and NHL ownership rankings, all free today. So head over there. You don't need to be a sub, but if you want a sub, NFL strategy show, all one word, all caps at awesome.com slash join. Catch you back here for the next one. Peace.